What's going on, ladies and gents? We got Robert Sykes, KetoSavage.com, and I have a special guest, the one and only Drew Manning on the line today. How are you, Drew? Good, Robert. Thank you so much for having me on, man. Absolutely, man. I've been uh, I've heard about you a while back. It's crazy. Before I even got into fitness, I remember <laughs> seeing the the fit to fat the fit thing at some point. I don't remember where I was I was young. And uh yeah. then I I don't know, it's crazy, small world. Yeah, that was back in two thousand eleven, man, which is crazy. That's how long ago it was. But yeah, that was that I was that crazy trainer that got fat on purpose, gained seventy five pounds in six months and then luckily lost it in the next six months. And so that's kinda how I got started. That's kind of that's probably like how like your name came to be. Were you doing anything before that uh, originally? Not in the fitness industry, so I went. I was actually working in the medical field full time at the time I was doing fit to fat to fit. So that was my full time job. I, I did personal training part time on the side, and then I had the idea to, to do it right. Mm-hmm. And then I kind of just ran with it uh, while I was, you know, um, doing this medical job. And so I actually stopped training clients as well during my fit to fat to fit journey because I, <laughs> sounds stupid, but honestly, I felt like I'd be too tempted to be in the gym. And I would want to work out, but I couldn't. I figured that would be too hard for me mentally. <laughs> so I stopped taking on clients during that that journey. Well, I mean, this is kind of, you know, like I said, 2011, old news. But I'd love to just flesh that out just a little bit, if you don't mind. Sure. Yeah, no, I don't mind at all. So so you were you're in the medical field. What were you doing with that? It was called neuromonitoring. So basically, in a nutshell, I would monitor patients' nervous system while they were you know, uh, going under for back surgery or neck surgery. And so I could give live feedback to the doctor as he was working near the, uh, or, uh, around the spinal cord, you know, the nerve roots are right there. And so I could tell him, you know, if he was getting too close to a nerve root, which could cause damage to the patient, par- possibly paralyze them. So it was called neuromonitoring. No one's ever heard of it. I never heard of it before I, I got into it, but it's a thing. <laughs> and you were doing that and you just, fitness was your passion. So you decided to start training on the side. Yeah, so basically what happened was I, I before the, the medical job, I was a financial analyst for Chrysler, but then I took a buyout package when they went bankrupt, and I moved to Utah with my ex-wife, and I couldn't find a job because of the economy. It was 2008, 2009. I couldn't find the job um, for a long time, so I'm like, okay, what am I passionate about? I've always been in the health and fitness, so I'm like, I'm going to get certified as a trainer. So in 2009, I got certified through NASM. Uh, to start training clients because I knew that was something I was passionate about. And um, so that's where the fitness industry really started for me, even though I had, you know, I, I wrestled and played football since I was a little kid, mm-hmm. you know, uh, just educating myself on more so on the nutritional side is where I learned the most. And that's kind of where my, my fitness journey began, to be honest with you. And what made you like, what, what was the switch in your mind when you decided, okay, I'm going to bring in fitness and I'm going like what happened between that and the point where you started the fit to fat to fit like was there just what kind of that's just crazy exotic and gonna get people's attention or I know it was because there was a disconnect between my clients and I because I was for me fitness was easy like you just eat healthy you exercise and you see the results and for me I had always been that way and that's all I had ever knew and so when I started training clients that were overweight I'm like why don't you just follow the meal plans they give you you keep you know drinking soda instead or you keep missing the workouts like why don't you just do <laughs> kind of what I tell you to do? And they would be like, you know, Drew, you don't understand how hard it is, you know, for someone that's been overweight their whole life. And I'm like, you know what? You're right. And so I was just thinking of ideas like how could I better relate? You know, how could I impact the masses more? I knew I had to do something online. And this idea, it was like a lightning bolt moment, right, where 
I was like, okay, I felt like I was being called <laughs> to do this crazy journey. And um, so I, I did. I just kind of ran with it. I had no marketing strategy. I had no media connections, but was very fortunate to be able to be on all these TV shows because of all the media attention. But I didn't know any of that would happen. I didn't you know, have those kind of connections. So what were the, like, what were some kind of the specs? Like what, what was your starting weight in like body fat percentage? And like, what did you get to? How'd you get there? Yeah. So it was 193, about eight and a half percent body fat when I started, um, got up to 269, 32% body fat, um, at the end of my journey, which was insane. And it was <laughs> you in know? six months you said? In six months, and it was pure fat. There was no working out during this period, right? So it wasn't like I was bulking like a bodybuilder would do, where they're still lifting heavy weights. It was for me, it was just you know sedentary lifestyle, a lot of calories, like five thousand calories a day, probably of like highly processed foods, like cereal, cinnamon toast crunch, uh, sugary sodas, white bread, white pasta, you know, spaghettios, uh, hot pockets, <laughs> macaroni That's crazy, cheese. Man. What <laughs> what was so, it like to to not train for six months, having trained your whole life? Like that's got to be like the hardest mental switch ever. That was the the hard part of this journey on the mental side. Like mentally, you know, I was obsessed with working out, right? And so to go from from that to not being able to work out, it was like that was my outlet, right? That was my stress reliever. So I had to turn to food for my stress reliever. And so it was such a hard mental shift for me, to be honest with you, because um, I freaked out when I, you know, even when I was 20 pounds heavier, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm so fat. And um, I part of your identity is based on what your body looks like. So you grew up your whole life in shape. That's part of your identity, right? The six pack, uh, the muscles, that kind of becomes a part of you. So once I lost that, I didn't know who I was. I would want to go up to strangers and say, hey, this really isn't me. I'm not really overweight. This is just an experiment. Here's my before picture. I promise this is what I used to look like. Like I wanted to tell strangers that. Um, and so it, it really uh, was a huge like mental shift for me. Uh, but it also helped me realize how much of transformation is mental and emotional. And that there is more to me than just what my body looks like. And so I'm, I'm glad I went through it and I have no regrets. That's awesome, man. And then like were you documenting this? Like were you doing YouTube or just pictures? Like how did you kind of document the whole process? Yeah, YouTube pictures um, on, on my website and on YouTube, which you can find. Uh, but also just, yeah, through blogging uh, and then also uh, vlogs as well on YouTube, just like my weekly weigh-ins. And once a week, I would do a weekly food challenge, which was like a man versus food type of scenario where I would go to the local stuff here in, in Utah and, and try and take on these challenges. And um, I failed miserably at many of them. Um, <laughs> so I was not successful at that, but it was just something for entertainment as far as that goes. But yeah, YouTube and my website is where you can, you know, find out about this journey. Obviously, I wrote about it in my book, Fit to Fat to Fit, which became a New York Times bestseller as well. If you want to learn more about the personal journey that I went on, because I kept some things, you know, uh, that were personal to me, um, you know, save that for the book instead of uh, online. Yeah, for sure. And and you get picked up like the TV shows just saw your YouTube and that's how they reached out to you? No, so what happened was um, a couple of fitness bloggers were blogging about me. They interviewed me, and this was before podcasts were big. And so um, fitness bloggers would interview me, and Yahoo.com saw one of these blogs and said, hey, we want to post this on, on our homepage. And so it showed up on Yahoo.com. I still remember the day, like it was Jennifer Anderson's face, you know, some article about her, like Ashton Kutcher, and then there was me. And I'm like <laughs> – 
what the hell is going on here? And like everybody was calling their mom, their dog, like everybody was calling me to be on the TV shows and all these old friends from high school were like, oh my gosh, I see you on, on Yahoo. And, and then my website crashed. And then that's where all the, the TV shows yeah, happened. So Jay Leno was the first one I went on, Dr. Drew, Good Morning America, Dr. Oz. Um, and then went on The View and, and Nightline and all kinds of TV shows. It was crazy. But like I said, I didn't have those connections. So I got lucky. I really did. And I didn't know any of that would happen. So I, very, I feel very blessed and very fortunate to have all of that happen because that's kind of what created this brand and this movement that I've been you know, trying to work on for the past six years. You know, It's awesome, though. It really you know, speaks well of the fact that you know, like like you and I, like the industry we're in and what we're trying to do with like our brands, like it's totally reliant on the people. Like the people are the oxygen, you know? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So what so you you, you got up to you said two sixty three? Two sixty nine and my heaviest. Two sixty nine at thirty two percent. Yep. <laughs> Man, and then what was it like, you know, going back down and getting back in shape? Was that harder than you had expected? It was way, way harder than I ever thought it would be. It was a very humbling experience because I remember the first two weeks because I went cold turkey, right? I went 5,000 calories of like, you know, cinnamon toast crunch and Mountain Dew to 2,000 calories of real food. And I remember my body felt awful. Like I felt so hor- horrible those first two weeks. It was like going through hell. And it kind of made me realize this is probably what drug addicts feel like when they try and get off of drugs mm-hmm. because these withdrawal symptoms as your body detoxes were intense, right? And so it was a, a huge learning experience for me because I remember my clients telling me, like, ah, oh, it's so hard to follow the meal plans. I'm like, you just do it. Like, stop drinking soda. Just do the meal plans like I told you to. It's not that hard. And then going through this made me realize how much of an emotional connection to food, you know, is is so powerful, right? Because before, I'm like, it's just a lack of willpower. You just – it's not that hard. And then now me only living this way for six months. Imagine if I had eaten this food for six years or six decades and I'm now just trying to change it how much your body would fight back, right? So at first I didn't feel good like like I thought I would. And it was good for me to go through that because it helped me empathize with my clients and where they were coming from and realizing just how strong that powerful emotional connection to food really is. And so that was a, a an eye-opening experience. And then also like, you know, I kind of compared to being on top of this mountain my whole life. You know, I've always been in shape. It's been easy for me. And so here I am on top of this mountain and then my clients are at the bottom. And I'm yelling at them from the top, like, just keep coming. It's not that hard. Stop giving up on yourself. It looks so easy from the top. But then now for the first time in my life, I'm starting from the bottom. And that that perspective of, of starting from the bottom and looking up was way harder than I ever thought it would be. That climb up was way harder. And so it gave me – it helped me uh, empathize with my clients of just how hard that journey up is and um, you know, more respect and a better understanding of where people are coming from when they come to me for transformational help. It's freaking awesome, man. I love it. I love that you, you know, put yourself through that to, to be able to empathize with everybody, you know? Yeah. Did that Thank change like that. a, a is <clears throat> it like a tangible training style shift that you, that you noticed? Like, is there just a different way to talk to your clients or would you apply with that knowledge? Yeah, a little bit of both on the physical side. You know, here's the thing. I used to just connect with clients on the physical, like, Hey, it's not working. Let's change your macros, your calories, your workouts, like all focus on the physical side of, of transformation, right? Because that's all I could relate to before. Mm-hmm. Versus now, my goal is to help people overcome their own mental and emotional challenges because that's where people suffer. It's not it's not so much a lack of knowledge, in my opinion, that people aren't in shape. People know they need to 
eat healthy and exercise, but why don't they do it? It's usually some type of mental and emotional challenge that they haven't been able to overcome to stay consistent with living this healthy lifestyle. And so if I can help them overcome those mental and emotional challenges, that's how they make it a true lifestyle change. And so basically I shifted my focus of of the majority of the time focusing on the physical. We would sit down and talk about the mental and emotional changes that needed to happen and how they could overcome those. So usually it had to do with something like adding them to a support system, um, whether it's like a Facebook community um, where they can receive support, they can get support and and have all their questions answered in a safe place where they don't feel judged. Um, you know, Weight Watchers was probably one of the first companies to do that originally where they had like weigh-ins and people could come and talk to each other and you feel like you're part of this community. Kind of like AA, mm-hmm. you know, Alcoholics Anonymous where they would come in and share their stories and it was a safe place, right? Same thing with, with people trying to transform their physical bodies. I feel like they need these types of support systems, these support groups. So, but not, we live all over the place now. We're connected on social media. So I think social media provides that platform. So that's what I would kind of help coach people on. And then on the physical side, as far as tangible things that I changed, you know, I did back off on how intense I was initially because I'm, I'm like, this workout isn't that hard. Like, come on, you're just being weak. <laughs> and, and now when I, I remember my first workout back, man, I was struggling to do push-ups on my knees. And uh, that was really humbling for me to go through. And so I just realized that, look, it's not, a, it's not a, a race. You know, there is no finish line. So why are we in such a hurry to get results like now? And so let's start out slow. Make sure we do this the right way so you're not going to get injured. So those were a few things that, that changed me because of this fit to fat to fit journey. That's awesome, man. Like, like I said, it's, it's just so cool. Cause I think empathy is one of the – a very strong trait that isn't talked about enough because it's, it's very difficult to put yourself in somebody else's shoes and truly relate with them. But I think that's such a, a strong character trait. Yeah, thank you. And I, you know, honestly, at the end of the day, this world needs more empathy, and especially in the fitness industry, because you know, being in the fitness industry, it's all about the physical. Like, what's the quickest way to lose the most amount of weight with the least amount of effort in the shortest amount of time? And like, okay, that's what, like all we we care about. But in reality, man, having empathy goes a long way. And one one quote that sticks with me now is, um, you know, nobody cares how much you know until they know how much you care. And so, if you're a coach or a trainer and you're trying to influence people and and uh, get them to transform like remember that right it's cool to have all the knowledge in the world and know how to you know tweak things for somebody that's important too but no one really cares about that if they don't really feel like you truly care about them as a human as a person and so i think that's that's very valuable and so the empathy respect and understanding goes a long way and that's kind of what i'm trying to do like with my tv show which we can talk about in a second if you want but these trainers have to do what i did and my goal is to you know, kind of change the fitness industry to be more empathetic and more respectful. So that's a safer place for people to come and, and really put forth the effort to not just transform their physical body, but mentally, emotionally, spiritually, even because it's all tied together. Absolutely, man. It's all symbiotic in nature. And, and everybody, yeah. like everybody knows something like I always look at, at others. And I mean, there is literally something to be <clears> learned <throat> from every single person out there. So it's, it would be naive of me to just assume that I couldn't benefit from opening up to somebody else and, and you know, letting them in. Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, it's just interesting. It's a, it's a unique niche in the fitness industry, but you know, like I said, I feel like it's, it's creating this movement, um, especially with the TV show now and having these other trainers kind of see things from a different perspective. I think it's kind of powerful to be honest with you. Absolutely. So, so what happened next? Like in the timeline of Drew Manning, what was after the fit? To fit? <laughs> 
So uh, basically, I wrote the book, what, and and that became a New York Times bestseller, which then became a TV show through A and E. Uh, that's where we launched season one, and um, and then season two happened through Lifetime, which is owned by A and E. Um, so basically, yeah, this whole thing took off, and uh, the book deal happened, and then the TV show happened, and since then, I've just been trying to run this business, you know, um, online. I don't really train people one on one anymore, just because it got to the level where that was kind of taken away from my um, from my uh, from the opportunity to impact the masses, right? So I feel like it's hard to have both, like impacting the masses, but also working with people one-on-one because there's only so many hours in a day and so many people you can fit in, like a doctor seeing as many patients as he can. You know what I'm saying? Like uh, you got to pick and choose like, okay, well, which one are you going to, which path are you going to go down? So I chose the path of trying to impact the masses, even though it's not customized and working one-on-one with clients. I, I felt like this was the good, the right path for me. And so that's kind of where, where it's gone. And that's where I'm at today. I mean, um, I did transition over to keto. We can talk about that too. Uh, about two and a half years ago, three years ago, um, which is funny because I, I wonder. Part of me, like a, a small part of me, wonders: Okay, could I do this journey, a keto version of it, and lose the weight quicker <laughs> on keto? But I'm not sure if I'm that crazy to do it again. <laughs> to do it again, yeah. <laughs> so, what made you? You said you've been keto about two and a half, three years now. Yeah. And what what made you, was it just like the research that was coming out or was it like a aha moment or what happened there that caused you to switch? Yeah. So, you know, here I was this self-experimenter uh, doing these experiments with my body, like Fit to Head Fit and a few other ones. And I remember listening to the Tim Ferriss podcast with Dr. Dominic Agostino talking about the research and the science behind the diet that I'd never heard of or realized that there was even scientific research being done on a diet, right? Especially for things like epilepsy and seizures and brain toxicity and PTSD and, and certain forms of cancer. And I was blown away. I'm like, wow, I had no idea there was all these therapeutic applications to this diet. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to try this out. I'm going to do, you know, I experiment on my body. Let's do a 60-day experiment and let's see how it goes. And I remember I went in, you know, hardcore, 100% consistent. And the biggest thing I noticed, honestly, like my, my body composition was about the same. I was already lean to begin with. And my performance at the gym was about the same. I was doing CrossFit, and there was a, a there was an initial dip in performance, right, the first like week or two. But my performance was you know about the same. My strength didn't go down, and I went from eating six meals a day to two meals a day, feeling fantastic. My brain, my mental clarity, my cognitive function were, were like night and day mm-hmm. uh, versus before. And so that was the biggest aha moment for me. It was like this is more so nutrition for your brain. Yes, you can use it for fat loss or weight loss, which is awesome if that's what your goal is. But for me, my brain performed so much better on running off of ketones, and I never experienced that before. And I didn't feel bogged down or a slave to food, having to eat six, seven times a day and bring my meals with me. I could go all day, work all day efficiently without, you know, the afternoon slump, you know, after you have a big lunch. Um, and I just, I felt like I could get so much more work done. So my brain just felt so much more optimal. My body felt so much more optimal running off of ketones, which was a really cool feeling. Man, I feel like I've known you my whole life because it's it's funny. <laughs> I learned of the ketogenic diet through that same podcast that Tim Ferriss and Dom Diacostino. And then as soon as I listened to that, I got Jimmy Moore's Keto Clarity. And yes. uh, I read that. That was my first book. And then I just kind of jumped in full, you know, full swing. And like like you, I was in shape too. You know, I was been a competitive bodybuilder. And it's yep. like, shoot, my brain functions at such <laughs> a higher level now. I would be a fool to go back because then I'm going to be sacrificing, you know, potential business opportunities I wouldn't gather before because I couldn't see it. You know, my brain was just, I, I would stay keto just for that aspect of it. 
Yeah, I think that's actually really cool because I was just at the LA Fit Expo talking to a bunch of, you know, physique competitors and even some bodybuilders. And yeah, like when they diet down, quote unquote, diet down the last week or two to get ripped and shredded, they all go keto or low carb, but they feel miserable because they've never ran off of ketones and their their body hasn't you know become keto adapted yet. And so I'm like, man, if 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 a physique competitor could feel what it's like to run off of ketones, especially during the last couple weeks, like how much better they would feel. They wouldn't have to be miserable as they, you know, get stage ready, if you will. Um, and how, you know, that's where I see this diet being super beneficial for people that step on stage just cause they're so much happier and their brain is performing at an optimal level instead of feeling sluggish and, and just miserable. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's like these past two shows that I did this year, were all with keto and I didn't really know what I was doing. I just kind of was trying it. And I, I had the, the same effect. Like I didn't feel, I didn't have to cut my water like they did. I didn't have to feel terrible. Like as I was getting leaner and as my calories were getting lower, my ketones were actually increasing. So I kept feeling better and better. Whereas they just started walking <laughs> around like zombies. Yeah. And it was just, it's just weird. But there's <clears throat> of all the, the niches in the, the health and nutrition industry, it seems like bodybuilders and, you know, physique athletes kind of turn their head away from keto the fastest, mostly probably because, you know, they're all so devout carb supporters and they assume you have to have 300 grams of protein to be able to build muscle. Yeah, I th- and it, it's still slowly, like it's not there yet. There was like no keto companies at the LA Fit Expo that I could see. It was all just protein, 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 healthy carbs, and that's basically all it was. And that's just changing that mentality of like, hey, you know, can you build muscle on a ketogenic diet? Actually, you can, you, you know, but um, you know, to each their own. And it just takes some time, just like the, the, the masses, the, you know, your average American still thinks fat's bad for you, still thinks salt's bad for you. And so they, you know, Hey, stay away from fat, stay away from cholesterol, no sodium. Like we think that's still healthy. When you look at the, the newer science and research that's out there, it's actually not true. Yeah, I agree. It, it's it's so, crazy. Cause like, it's so, it's such a buzz right now in the industry, like in the keto you know, group and community that I feel like, oh shoot, it's, it's, it's come and gone. You know, I've lost, but then I like step back and look at the big picture and it's like, no, we're, we're all on the cutting edge right now. Like we're, we're way ahead. <laughs> it's true, man. And it's exciting, man. It's, yeah, and that's what I think like the ketogenic diet is so different than just like your average diet. Cause most people think of diet equals weight loss. Um, all the therapeutic applications and the research that's going into the diet that can help out so many people and so many disease diseases, that's what excites me, to be honest with you, because I think, you know, that's what's going to change people's lives in the future is just if we can change your perception of, you know, fat, for example, and it's, it's an uphill battle because, you know, there's all kinds of like companies and, and, uh, you know, uh, food companies that, you know, don't want you to believe that. But anyways, you know, um, it's, it's going to be an uphill battle, but I think it's really exciting, especially as, you know, give it maybe 10 years or, or 20 years and, man, maybe the next generation will grow up thinking, you know, the the food pyramid of like, that was the stupidest thing ever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, and like you said about the medical implications, you know, you look at, at this as a, a potential way to, you know, lengthen somebody's lifespan or at least give them better quality of life there, you know, towards the end. It's like, that's powerful stuff, man. You can't, you can't get that anywhere else. Yeah, it's, it's very true, man. And that's why it's exciting times. And it's really cool to work with like the researchers like Dr. Dominic D'Agostino and a few other doctors that are out there actually doing the science, the, the clinical studies um, versus, you know, oh, uh, you know, if you've never heard about these, the, the scientific research that's, research that's being done, um, you know, it's just kind of a um, hearsay, if you will. Like it, mm-hmm. it, it, no one takes it uh, like it's a credible source, but there actually are credible sources out there. 
And it's becoming more mainstream. You have people like Tim Ferriss and Joe Rogan talking about this, and you have athletes and CEOs and, and entrepreneurs and celebrities doing the ketogenic diet. So I feel like if you can you know, get it out there to the masses, more and more people are going to become aware of it and not just see it for weight loss and fat loss, but these other applications which can save lives. Absolutely. It's definitely a grassroots movement, but it's it's growing like a wildfire. Yeah. So so what uh, like what what is your primary goal now? Um, that's a great question, man. There's so much going on this year. So basically what happened ever since I went keto, um, let me kind of just catch you up to speed on that. I went on the Dr. Oz show. Um, it's kind of a funny story. Dr. Dominic D'Agostino, um, I was talking to him and, and he was getting married and he was going to be on his honeymoon for the, the Dr. Oz segment. And so he actually recommended me to them to go on the show for him because he was he couldn't make it. And so they're like, oh, yeah, we've had Drew on before. Let's get him on. And so ever since I was on the Dr. Oz show, like that kind of exposure is huge. People were like, okay, well, where's your program? Like I want to learn about keto. And so I'm like, okay, well, the demand was already there before I even had anything in place. And so <clears throat> then I created like a 60-day program, which just you know became so popular just because of how popular the ketogenic diet was. And so, you know, I've been selling, you know, I've sold over 100,000 uh, programs or uh, downloads to the ebook of just that one program. And so, you know, my online business is, is definitely taken off, but it's led me down different paths. And, you know, um, I'm, I can't really talk about specifically what I have coming up in 2018 yet. So just kind of follow me on social media and I will keep you posted. But there's some big, big things happening um, especially in the keto industry, right? So just trying to push this movement forward. Yeah, yeah, no, it's it's exciting times, man. And, and like I said, I've, I'm, I'm business is just much my passion is fitness and nutrition. So it's it's cool to be able to talk to somebody that's that's killing it in that game too. Yeah, and it's something that I've had to learn. Like, you know, if, if we want to talk business for a second, you know, I had no idea when Fit to Fit Fit took off how to you know how to create a business around this, right? Like, I'm, I I didn't have. Uh, marketing strategies in place that didn't have connections. Of I, I had people kind of th- throwing themselves at me like, "Hey, I can do this for you. I can do that for you." But um, and I made some mistakes in the past. You know, kind of just tr- trusting whoever had a good idea. Um, so I made some mistakes, but I'm very blessed and very fortunate to like I have an awesome marketing team out of Florida um, who has just taken my game to the next level because I don't know how to do Facebook ads, right, or email sequences or sales funnels. Like I've had to learn all that. Mm-hmm. And that's what's really just helped me get, you know, what I do t- in front of more eyes. So that's that's the hard part. Is like, how do I get more eyes on it? Especially since Facebook changed the game with, um, you know, um, sponsored ads and and yeah. you know, limiting the amount of people that see your posts. <laughs> like you've had to kind of play their game, if you will. And so just learning how to play the game more effectively has like really changed my business. And and yeah, it's cool. Like for, like. You know, if you if anyone knows me personally, they know like I, that I'm not about the money. For me, I see it as a vehicle to do good in this life and to have, uh, move forward with something that I believe in. And I really do feel like if we can push the keto movement forward and to the masses, to me, that's going to save a lot of people's lives. And that's kind of what I'm passionate about. I agree, man. I think uh, you know, just just simply being genuine and like helping people, like there's. There's no greater feeling than that, and like it sounds, you know, cliche, but it's it's true, man. Like the coolest thing that I've done with with myself so far is just been able to reach more people to help more people, and the same is true with you. I'm sure you know. Like at the end of the day, the money, I mean, it pays the bills, it makes you you know put food on the table, but at the end of the day, that's not what you're like smiling about as you go to sleep at night. 
Exactly. Yeah. And so, you know, some people, they think that's the goal is like, oh, I just want to make a ton of money. Like that's not, that's not the, what brings you ultimate fulfillment. I love uh, Tony Robbins quote. He says, success without fulfillment is the ultimate failure. So you could be, have all the money in the world, have all the fame, have all the glory. If you're not fulfilled with what you do, that's the ultimate failure. And the example he uses is someone like Robin Williams, who unfortunately took his own life. And here, this was the super successful man that accomplished all his goals in his life, mm-hmm. but was miserable on the inside. Yeah. And so that's what I, even in the fitness industry, I try and tell people like, just, just cause you know, you're, I know your goal is to look good and, and lose weight. Like, but why, like what's your why behind it? And if it's just because you want to look good or if it's like a, a vanity thing, I think that that can be good for a season. But ultimately, you have to have a stronger why behind it, you know, um, otherwise you get burnt out and you realize that, okay, that didn't bring me fulfillment. And there's a lot of people, you probably see this, you know, in the, in the physique world that there's, you know, they're, <laughs> they're still, they just still don't think they're good enough, right? They have these perfect bodies, but they're like, man, I just, I'm not good enough. And they're hard on themselves, which is, can be good, but can also be bad for some people. And so anyways, um, I'm not sure where I was going with that. Oh, success without fulfillment is the ultimate failure. So find what makes what brings you fulfillment in your life. And um, you know, it it might not be what you think it is. Like it might not be having a six pack. Like, you know, it might be something else or that might be part of your journey. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Cool. Uh, how old are you, Drew? If you don't mind me asking. Thirty seven. Thirty seven. All right, I got a question <laughs> yeah, for man. you. Sure. What would you tell your twenty five year old self <clears throat> as it relates to fitness and nutrition? And then a follow-up question is what would you tell your 25-year-old self as it relates to business and kind of like career uh, endeavors? Okay, let me think about that one because on the physical fitness side, what would I tell myself? I would tell myself about keto. (laughs) (laughs) Good answer. Because – that that uh, that's kind of when I started, you know, uh, uh, coming into like the personal training world, I guess. And so – but keto wasn't a big thing. Like I was kind of underground. It wasn't mainstream. So I kind of wish I knew a little bit more about that, to be honest with you. But also, let me see. Oh, I'd probably tell myself, like, at at least from where I'm at now, aesthetics are cool, but let's also focus on health and longevity because I see a lot of people that sacrifice their health to look a certain way. And so back then when I used to think I was healthy, I looked good on the outside, but that does not equate to to real health. Right. So just because you you're skinny or just because you have low body fat percentage doesn't mean that you're in tip top physical condition. There's, you know, a lot of other factors that go into it. So for me, I guess I would just be telling myself, hey, you know, focus on the process and kind of let the results um, fall where they may as far as physical fitness goes. As far as business and just life in general, um, one is I would tell myself, don't take things so personally because I used to hate it when someone would you know, not like me or disagree with me or call me stupid or um, would kind of try and say something to bring me down. I used to take it so personally uh, that it just like it ruined my day or ruined my week, right, if, so, if something happened like that. And then also, you know, don't, don't care what other people think. Like I used to care so much about making people like me uh, to the point where I, had, I would change who I was for a certain person, right, to – just so that they would like me. And so now, now that I'm 37, older, more wise, you know, I've learned those lessons. That's what I would tell my, my younger self. I would, I would venture to say that, that your success started taking off the moment you started unapologetically 
being true to just you and not giving a damn about what everybody else thought. Yeah. Yeah, that's true, man. That's actually a good observation. And that's kind of, um, <laughs> that's part of, uh, that's part of life though, man. You know, you, you, the way you learn lessons is by making mistakes sometimes. And those are the most valuable lessons. And so I made a lot of mistakes in the past, but luckily I learned from them. But I'm, I'm an open book about this. If anyone that follows me personally, they know that I'm, um, I'm an open book and I embrace vulnerability as a strength. Um, even got that tattooed on my, on my forearm here just as a reminder because it, it made my life so miserable growing up when I used to think vulnerability was a weakness, right? Mm-hmm. I, used to, I used to think you know, that that would make me weak. But once I learned that, that you know, embracing vulnerability as a strength, I, get it. I own my life. I own my story and um, I can live life so much more authentically, which is ultimately happier for me. Absolutely. I've been, I've been reading a bunch of like stoic books. Like I love stoicism. And one of the recurring themes is like, if you're wanting to progress or change your life or kind of go to that next level, you're going to have to, you know, do something hard. Like you can't make, you know, substantial progress if you're living a comfortable life, so to speak. Yep. And when you, when you <laughs> go to that next level and you're putting yourself out there, I mean, failure is inevitable, but I mean, this is also, you know, so cliche, but I mean, when, when you're failing, you can almost smile. Like I, I've learned to just smile whenever I'm failing because it knows that I'm pushing myself hard enough to learn something new, which is going to be another tool that I can use, you know, going forward. Yeah, I tell people all the time, if you could change the perspective of, of life happening for you instead of life happening to you, you'll be able to look at things and be like, okay, what's the lesson I need to learn here instead of like blaming God or blaming other people? Like, why did this happen to me? This is your fault. This is your fault. You know, that's someone that looks at life happening to them rather than life happening for them. And yeah. it took me a long time to, to learn this. Don't get me wrong. It's not like, oh, yeah, I'll just change my perspective. It takes time. But if you can ultimately learn that, you'll look at life through a different lens, and life will be so much more meaningful to you. I agree, man. I mean, I don't know. I, I can sit here and talk about stoicism with you all day long, too, because <laughs> you sound like, I mean, same same principle as stoicism and what you're saying. I mean, when you look at your life and you know, I mean, if you can, like, accept total and full responsibility for your life, whether for the good or for the bad, it just, it takes the, the blinders off. And it's like, okay, no matter what happens, it's my fault, whether good or bad. So there's no excuses to be made. Yep. Amen, man. That's true. I love it. I love it. So, so tell me, yeah, tell me about the TV show. Yeah. So uh, season two literally just aired on January 8th, 2018 on Lifetime. Uh, this season, there was uh, five trainers um, and this time their client was either a close, a very close family friend or a relative. And so it made it a lot more interesting because you actually know the client really well, sometimes too well. Mm-hmm. And so it made for a lot more drama, to be honest with you, which was good because, you know, those kinds of things either make or break your relationship. So like one was a spouse, like a husband, wife, couple, uh, couple that I think everyone thought they were going to get divorced at some point, <laughs> but they came out stronger. And then two sisters that just, man, they went at it in the episodes. Like it was crazy to see how much like all these old, all these underlying things from their childhood came out in certain moments where it got heated. But at the end of the day, it made the relationship so much stronger and they can, they can see each other from, from a different lens having gone through this experience. So basically in a nutshell, what we do is we take trainers uh, from across the country and we put them through what I did, right? So I coached them through the fit to fat weight gaining process and they have to do it for four months, right? So they can't exercise, they have to eat all these foods that their client eats and and then after the four months they team up with their client and then they lose the weight together as a team 
And, um, and the whole goal is to get these trainers to be more empathetic, uh, have more respect and a better understanding for their clients. And so you see these trainers go through not just this physical journey, but this mental and emotional journey because they learn really quickly that this becomes way more emotional than physical. Uh, even one of the trainers on the show, Eric, who's like a numbers guy, right? He's, he does his macros and calories and he has everything down to a T. And I remember him before he started his weight gaining journey. He's like, yeah, man, all I have to do is hit this many macros, this many calories, like as far as proteins, fats, carbs, boom, boom, boom. I'll gain this much each week. And you see him like, <laughs> like struggle staying consistent with that because it's become so much more of an emotional journey for him. And um, so that's kind of where I think most trainers um, are disconnected with is, is on the mental and emotional side. And that's why I think this this journey, this TV show is very valuable for people in the industry because they can uh, connect with their clients so much more. And then you also see their clients respect them so much more having done this for them. You know, yeah, so absolutely. That's kind of the idea in a nutshell. And so, season one's available on demand. Um, you can find anywhere online, pretty much. Uh, season two is on demand as well through, I think, just uh, the Lifetime app, um, which is super easy, and you can just download that and watch all the episodes. So, can they, like, as far as the, you know, the techniques and everything, do the trainers get to use whatever protocol they want. I mean, it's not like keto specific <laughs> or carb specific. They can just use whatever they're familiar with. Yeah, yeah. No, they they have their own philosophies and theories and and you know i kind of put my two cents in there and there was a uh, a trainer client duo on season two that asked me for some keto advice and so i i had them go keto the last couple months which really helped them out um but yeah i i don't make them like hey you gotta do my program i let them do their own thing because it's their own brand um and that way you get to see certain, like how certain things work like a vegetarian lifestyle versus you know, uh, if it fits your macros type of lifestyle versus keto and you see all of them have good results, <laughs> right? Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's kind of how it works. What's been like the, the most gut wrenching tug at your heartstrings experience thus far for me or on the show, like on the show? Oh man, it was really hard to see, um, one of the clients, Lori. Um, so basically she lost her husband literally a year before we started filming and she made a promise to him that she would get healthy for him. Um, cause they were going to, they made a pact before he got sick with cancer that they were going to get healthy together. But then his life was taken and he made her promise to him that she would do this for both of them. And so, um, you see her, hers become way more of an emotional journey kind of doing it for him. Um, and so that one will definitely, bring tears <laughs> to your eyes for sure because man seeing someone lose lose a spouse is is really hard especially if you are you know if you've been married or have been in love with someone before that would be really hard to go through that but then also fulfilling that promise even though you probably part of you wants to give up and be like it's too hard you know man so. i'm getting goosebumps just like thinking about that <laughs> it's crazy yeah yeah you'll like her too she's got a really blunt personality and she kind of calls it how it is so Hmm. What's uh, what's been like? We're just going down the emotional rabbit hole here. But what's been like the the hardest, hardest thing that you've had to like overcome thus far? You know, from like a training perspective, or like nutrition, or like the business, or just life in general. Like, what what's what's been a triggering moment that's kind of created you into the person that you are now? It's a great question. I mean, ultimately, back in the day, I would have said fit to fat to fit was the hardest thing I've done. Um, but honestly. Um, 
talking about my divorce was really hard for me because, like I said, I grew up in a world where my perception was you don't talk about your weaknesses, you don't talk about your feelings, you keep those hidden, and um, you kind of pretend like on the outside you're perfect, (laughs) whereas on the inside you're just a normal human just like everybody else. But not knowing how to talk about those things really kind of broke me as a man um, to the point where it, it, it ended my marriage. And you know, I'm very vocal and I'm, I'm an open book about this now. But before, like the old me, would it, like, it was so hard to talk about any kind of weaknesses I had that um, I never would have imagined I would even open up and talk about why I got divorced. Um, because So I have a podcast called The Fit Fat Fit Experience. And it's mostly you know, nutrition and health and fitness. But every once in a while, I'll open up and tell a personal story. And so my episode 100, I decided to tell my full story and, and go all in and own my story. And like I said, embrace vulnerability as a strength. And it was hard. But um, I'll tell you a couple books that really helped me with that were Brene Brown's uh, Daring Greatly and Rising Strong. Those two books really helped me to embrace vulnerability, own my story, and kind of put my myself out there yeah, open for criticism, but at the end of the day, you know, I get to choose my ending. Like I get to choose like the next chapter of my life, not not dictated by other people. And so it it took me a long time to get to that point, but I finally did release that episode. And honestly, it's way worse. You suffer so much more in your head than you do in reality. Because <laughs> you think in, in your head, this is gonna happen, that's gonna happen, and you go through these these experiences in your head even though they haven't even happened and so when i put the podcast episode out there i'm like okay here we go it's gonna get crazy people are gonna say this or that about me but honestly like 95 percent of it was positive feedback and people thanking me and um you know asking for help as far as like uh, as far as that goes um and so it was a really it just kind of testified to me that you know we we when we, we make ourselves suffer a thousand times more in our head than we actually suffer in reality. And it's not as bad as we think it is, um, as it's going to be sometimes. So, yeah, I I agree. Was the divorce before or after the, the fit to fit to fit blew up? It was afterwards, but we were going through our stuff during the journey. So we had to pretend like everything was all right. We go on Dr. Oz, we would go on Jay Leno and be like, Oh yeah, we're this happily married couple. But then we go home and it's ourselves and we are struggling, both of us, like because we were going through counseling and all these things were happening during that time. And it was a really, really hard thing because we had to look, you know, happy and pretty for the camera. It's got to be we... scary, man, because <laughs> like you feel like your your empire that you're building and work so hard for, but that point's kind of like just about to fall down if, if the public finds out, you know? Yeah, exactly. And that's why, you know, going like putting in the work, reading these books, meditating, seeing a life uh, life coach to help me get to the point where I'm like, okay, I'm ready to talk about this and whatever happens, happens, but I'm ready for that. Um, it took a while to get there, but um, yeah, those, so like I said, those things that like the books and the life coaching, meditation really helped me with that transition. Very cool, very cool. See, like every, everybody's got their own struggles, you know, somebody like can look at you from the outside looking in and, and think you got it all figured out, but <laughs> You know, it's not true for you. It's not true for me. It's not true for anybody. Yeah, man. And so, yeah, yeah I think that just gives you perspective, to be honest with you, of like we're all going through something. So that's that's why we need more empathy. Like you don't know what that person's going through. You know, like if you see someone's overweight that's that's eating junk food, like what if they already lost 100 pounds? Yeah, they maybe have 100 more to go. But how do you know? You don't know their story. 
you don't know where they're coming from. And so if we could just have more empathy, and I think that's why it, it's so valuable in all aspects of life, not just the fitness industry. But Yeah, I completely agree. Completely agree. How you doing on time, man? Um, I'm good. I probably have like another 10 minutes if that's all right. Well, shoot, I was going to go down the rabbit hole of like nutrition and what what's a day look Let's like for you. But, I mean, Let's shoot, that was almost too good a note to, to keep going on. <laughs> that was a good, powerful note to end on. No, let's we can keep going. All right, for sure. Well, what's a like? What's a daily routine for you? What's what's a typical day look like? Yeah, so when it depends. Like when I'm strict keto, which I'm not strict keto all the time, just so everybody's is clear on that. Um, I'm not 100% keto. I'm probably about like 90% keto, but every once in a while, you know, I have two daughters, and you know, I don't make them eat keto. Um, they'll eat what I eat, uh, but you know, we'll have pancakes on Sunday morning, or we'll have like pizza every once in a while. Um, or treats, things like that. So on a typical day though, like here's, here's my normal routine. I'll wake up, have a ton of water I'll have, and then maybe like 20, 30 minutes later, I'll have, um, some type of, uh, coffee with some type of healthy fat added to it. So sometimes I'll do like half a scoop of collagen protein with some MCT oil powder in my coffee and I'll blend that up. And then, um, about 45 minutes pre-workout, um, I will, um, I'll, I'll, sometimes I'll take exogenous ketones. Sometimes I won't, but, um, just depends. So sometimes I'll take exogenous ketones as a pre-workout. Um, and then I'll go work out, then I'll shower and then I probably won't eat until around noon or one. And at first, like, don't get me wrong. It took me a while to get used to that, <laughs> but yeah. cause you know, you got to have that protein right after you work out. Otherwise mm-hmm. you lose your gains. And it's just so funny, but you know, now I'm like, okay, I can go hours after working out and not sacrificing my muscle um, or my my gains. And so I could, uh, you know, I'll eat around twelve or one. Um, actually, today's well, let's see, it's almost two o'clock here in Utah. I haven't eaten yet today, um, other than like my bulletproof coffee in the morning. Um, so I'll have some type of meal, uh, whether it's like you know, a couple of grass-fed burgers, a ton of like sautéed spinach and kale with like Brussels sprouts. Um, and then I'll do a couple things of eggs and every once in a while I'll do dairy, like cheese, uh, or goat cheese. Sometimes I'll add that to my eggs and that's like my lunch. And then, then I'll go, I'm good till dinner time. And then dinner, um, it depends. Um, you know, chicken sausage is, is really easy. Like that's one of the easiest things for me to make. I'll do like chicken sausage, uh, cut up, um, spread over like, a, um, sometimes I'll make a keto man salad. <laughs> and so what that is, is basically, I cut up a bunch of leafy greens, um, add maybe like half a cup of olive oil, and then I'll add in, you know, cashews or macadamia nuts. I'll add in avocado. Um, I'll add in like um, maybe some cauliflower as well, and then maybe even some almonds or something like that. And then I'll do the chicken sausage cut up in there, mm-hmm. and I'll add some sea salt and cayenne pepper, and I, it's a huge salad. It takes me like a good 30 minutes to eat, and that's like my dinner. A lot of volume. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Every once in a while. That's not that's not every day, but that's just like a typical day of kind of what I do, to be honest with you. And yeah, like I said, my brain feels optimal. Uh, my digestion's a lot better, and um, I can maintain my muscle mass. Now, if I want to put on muscle mass, which I don't, I haven't been really done. I've just maintained for a long time now. I would definitely have to eat a lot more than that uh, for sure. But that's kind of what I'm doing to maintain. I know you, you're probably not tracking macros now, but what, what's like a you have like a general idea of what you're taking in? Yeah, uh, I used to be 70, 25, 5 when I first started. Uh, 70% fat, 25% protein, 5% carbs. 
Um, now I would say I'm closer to 60% fat, maybe 35% protein and 5% carbs. Um, sometimes I'll bump up and do 10% carbs. I'll add in some, some, uh, white potatoes or sweet potatoes every once in a while. Um, uh, and maybe some fruit as well, like berries or, you know, even like a banana every once in a while. Um, so that's kind of, if I had a guess, that's probably where I'm at. I've done, I've tracked my macros for a long time, especially when I first started with keto. Um, but unless I have a specific goal, like, okay, I'm trying to lean down or I'm trying to, you know, look good for this, I'll track my macros. But if I'm just living day to day and just kind of working on business stuff, I don't really get into that um, yeah. unless I really want to. So, Have you played around at all with like the carnivore style keto? It's pretty hot right now. Um, I have not other, other than unintentionally, <laughs> like where like I have zero vegetables and it's just all meat. Right. Um, I've done that like a couple of days just unintentionally because sometimes we'll have these, have you heard of keto fridge, this company? Yeah. Uh, just the other day, actually, I've heard about it for the first time. I haven't tried them though. So good. So good. Like probably one of the best, you know, um, uh, pre-made, uh, keto meal companies out there, like meal prep, meal prep companies. Uh, I love their stuff. And so sometimes I'll, just unintentionally just they have like a bunch of meat and cheese i don't know if you can do cheese on the carnivore thing or if it's just i, uh, I don't know i've heard different rules some people say cheese some people say no cheese i don't know yeah so like there's there's dairy in their products and cheese and so sometimes i'll just eat that all day but they do have vegetables every once in a while in some of their in some of their meals but the meals are good and so yeah unintentionally but i've never gone like full carnivore uh for for a, a long period of time gotcha gotcha yeah, there's so many different variations of the diet now. I mean, it's all keto, but I mean, it's, it's cool to be able to just tweak things and see how your body responds because everybody's different, you know? Yeah, and that's what I tell people. Like, if you're going to go keto, um, yeah, go strict for the first 30 or 60 days, and maybe 90 days. Get keto adapted. And then from there, do some blood testing. Uh, see what feels optimal to you and what your goals are, right? If you're a sedentary person and you aren't, your goal is not to get a six pack and have a ton of muscle, that's going to look different than someone that's you know, trying to put on lean muscle mass or, or if someone's trying to train for a marathon or a triathlon, it's going to be different for all of us and we all respond differently. So the, the key is to find out what's optimal for you and to do that, you do have to do some testing, some measuring um, to see what works for you because if you're just like, okay, here's the percentage that I do and magic should happen, you got to do some tweaking, you got to do some experimenting on your body. Absolutely, 100% agree. Yeah. 100%. Well, hey man, I know you got a bunch of stuff going on today, I don't want to take much time but uh, where can people go to find out more about you yeah so it's really easy just fit number two fat number two fit is all my social media handles my website my book my podcast um the tv show is fit t-o fat t-o fit right so it's a different brand but same name uh but yeah all my stuff is fit number two fat number two fit uh facebook twitter instagram uh, very active on all those so feel free to reach out to me and um yeah, I'll do the best I can at responding. But, um, yeah, stay tuned for a lot of uh, cool announcements coming in 2018. Awesome, awesome. And I'll, I'll link to all those in the show notes. Um, Thanks, man. It'll be good, man. I, I genuinely appreciate your time, Drew. It's been a pleasure. Thanks, Robert. Appreciate it. Take care, buddy.